Welcome to the EdTech Marketing Podcast, hosted by Mateo Elvira, a former tech sales rep turned digital marketer. If you're an EdTech organization struggling with how to leverage the power of digital marketing, then sign up for this weekly podcast that aims to help. Week by week, our featured guests will share their top tips that you can put into action today. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the EdTech Marketing Podcast, everyone. Super excited to speak with uh, today's founder, Kevin Osorno. He is the founder of NeoBoard App. Excited to touch base a little bit with him about like how he decided to start his own company, his background in education, and any advice that he has for like entrepreneurs, especially those coming from the EDU space. Um, Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you have an interest or you have like a career interest within EdTech. So EdTech is very broad. It could be higher ed. It could be K-12. And there's a lot of exciting innovation that I think is coming within EdTech, especially with like VR and and just, you know, SaaS-based solutions in general. So without further ado, Kevin, thanks for um, joining the podcast today. How's everything going? Everything's going well. We've, uh, we've, like I said, we've been ramping up our efforts to uh, to develop the application. We've been talking to plenty of schools and schools of medicine, schools of law, schools of business. We've just been uh, hammering our way at their at their challenges and trying to, you know, really make a, an amazing product that will really help the uh, the institutions uh, help their students connect with one another and help them gather the data they absolutely need in order for the for the students to succeed. So we're we're really excited about what's going to be coming up in the next couple of months. So I feel like I'm talking a little bit too premature, but man, but man, we're excited about what we do and I, and can't wait to ha- continue this conversation as we as we move forward with the development. Nice, man. So for context for our viewers here, you are trying to reinvent the way student teams collaborate and study online. Uh, but this idea was was born out of um, something that you noticed within your family. Can you can you walk us through, you know, what inspired you to create this application? You mentioned specifically uh, you actually have a sister that was struggling with studying. Can you just walk us through like what were those initial pain points that you noticed that inspired you to create a solution for not only her but other students out there as well. Absolutely, yes, and um, and I'll start. And let me start off by saying this: when I was uh, when I, I actually started tutoring at a very young age, I actually was some. I actually did pretty decent in some of my classes. I um, I was I loved science. I loved mathematics. So all the things that I tutored were basically around that. And what I uh, one of the things that I was uh, really passionate about was helping students understand the material, helping students succeed. So I did that a lot in high school. I did a lot of volunteer tutoring. It's actually why um, they 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 mentioned me at Student of the Month at, at the at the high school I went to. And uh, but when I went to when I got into college and I got into the uh, and I got into the um, and uh, my degree back then was chemistry. I eventually switched over to physics. And uh, what I did over there was I did a lot of tutoring. I did a lot of, I was helping out a lot of the students with the classes. There was, and I got a lot of, you know, thanks and praises from students saying, you're the reason why I did well in my class and whatnot. But there was one student that I could not help for the life of me. And that was my very own sister. My sister 
actually uh, went to school up in Los Angeles. She was actually at UCLA at the time. And I was all the way here in uh, Riverside. So basically mile and a half drive. So there was just no way for me to help her out. But yeah. my folks kept telling me, you know, help out your sister. She's having a hard time. She's in a 20,000 student campus, a 20,000 student campus. Big school. Yeah. So yeah, big school. Exactly. So um, I was, so what I, so I would reach out to her. And this is back, this is way back in 2013. 13, 2014, this is during the time of uh, uh, the only thing that they really had back then was Skype. Zoom was, I'm not aware it was a thing back then. So what ended up happening was I would tutor her through Skype or sometimes we couldn't even use Skype because the Wi-Fi was bad or I would just call her over the phone. And so I don't know about, I don't know if you know this, but tutoring over the phone is the worst thing ever. It, I, you just cannot do it, especially if you're dealing yeah. with, with physics or mathematics, forget True. it. Yeah, you want to like be able to like write and show someone, right? Like it's hard to do virtually, I'd imagine. Exactly. You know, you, that's tutoring's just not a thing that you could do virtually back then. Um, and so one, and so it was just very, uh, it was just very frustrating for me to try and help her out. It was just my first, it was my first time doing basically what today would be online tutoring. And so one of those, one of these day, one of those evenings, I remember I was in the library um, at, at at my undergrad over there at, uh, at Loyola, and. Uh, we were talking over the phone and, and at one point she just got so frustrated. She's like, Kevin, you suck at tutoring. I don't know why people could come back to you for help. You're horrible at this. And so me being the, me being the, uh, the, um, what's it called? The, the older, the older sibling, of course, I told her, you know what? Screw you. Don't, go, go ask your friends for help. Don't, don't bother me anymore. Like just you, you figure it out. And she told me my friends are not in the class. I don't know anyone there. And so I told her, well, that's not my problem. You, you clearly don't like my tutoring style. Go find someone to help you out. Go find some friends. And for a moment, she didn't say anything. She was actually quiet over the phone for a little bit. And it, I, it took me a few moments, but then I realized that the reason why she was reaching out to me is because she was too shy to ask for help. She was in a campus of 20,000 students, and you would think that that many students would mean you would easily find someone, but when you're in a big campus like that, you kind of get lost in the noise. And so for her, she was shy and she didn't know who to approach. Even the professor was hard to approach sometimes because, because you know, office hours at an inconvenient time for her. She had a class, whatever. So what I realized was that the, the best way to help people or to help the students uh, succeed is that they can help one another out. I did that when I was an undergrad, right? I, I tutored a lot of students, but I tutored them while I was taking the class, and why? Because it helped reinforce my knowledge. So I knew there was a benefit going both ways for students, for a student to receive help from another peer and for a peer to give the help. I, I noticed that because I was a part of that. Uh, I was a part of that. I experienced that myself when I was doing that. So that is where I came up with the idea. Well, there has to be an easier way for students to get the help that they need. And so my idea actually started as an online tutoring platform. But after I did some research, I found that Tutor.com and Khan Academy were very big platforms at the time, and they still kind of, and they still yeah, pretty much are. There's a bunch of tutoring vendors these days now, so yeah. yes, and and I got and there's a huge list of them. I can go through a list of many of the <laughs> online tutoring platforms, but there was one thing that they all had in common at the time because I actually I actually went to I actually watched some of the videos of Khan Academy. I thought, well, well, why aren't students using Khan Academy more often? And I noticed that when I was going through the videos and I saw the I saw the list underneath that I saw a lot of questions on there. 
and the questions asked, uh, you know, uh, Khan, can you explain this a little bit more in detail, or Khan, can you can you help me out with uh, can you help me out with this particular question? And and this was something that they could not get answered right away, right? They, if, if they if Khan, if, some, if Khan even answered, it would be like twenty four to forty eight hours, if that. And by then, the assignment's already probably been turned in. Sure. So that what I saw was a, a serious problem, and I said there has to be some way to for the students to be able to get that on demand help. Because I don't know if you know this, that tutoring centers on campus close around four o'clock in the afternoon. So there's uh, when they're doing homework at eight o'clock at night, there's no help. They have to call their friend, right? If they if they even have that inclination to call people, you know, if they're not shy for that, or if they even have phone numbers for, uh, to call people. So that was something that I really wanted to fix. And when I got into grad school, I also encountered that same problem, right? And so what I noticed was that there was this population of students in the classes I taught. Because I taught physics, that was part of my to my doctorate, I had to teach physics. Um, I taught general physics. And there was 40, 50 students in the class. And there was only about maybe four or five students that knew themselves, that knew each other really well and would really hunker down and get the assignments done. But everyone else, I would ask them, you know, how do you get, how do you get your work done? They usually just went home or they just worked on this. And this granted, this is before COVID. And so um, I noticed that being a problem is that these students are getting the help that they need. They're helping one another out and they're doing much better than the rest of the class. And I thought that, and, and that's great, but I also thought it wasn't fair for the other people because I also started talking to other students. I asked them some questions. I asked them, well, why don't you, why don't you find a tutoring group? And I found the same answers that my sister gave. Some of them were too shy. Some of them couldn't approach somebody. Some of them uh, were there for the first time. They didn't know anyone in the class. So it was a bit of an it was a bit of a, an experience for them that overwhelmed them. They didn't they didn't feel comfortable reaching out to other students. And so that is where my idea originated from. How how can we get these students better connected with one another? How can we get them to uh, help one another, tutor each, uh, tutor each other, and, and basically help give provide the help that they need. That's a mutually beneficial experience for the two students. That's what I set out to build because I knew that was a problem. And at the time, I was not being taken seriously by a lot of the instructors. As a matter of fact, I had to keep my idea secret from the department. But when I talked to other departments, they didn't really feel like there was a need for it because they just kind of expected the students to figure it out on their own. Once COVID hit whole different ball game. And so that's when I that's when I saw students really not talking with one another. Google became their study partner and they and the only way to reach to people was through social media and as a uh, to quote one of the students I that I interviewed told me you don't just go up to someone on Facebook and say do you want to study together? That's weird. It's awkward. No one does that. And so that was that moment I realized there has to be a way that we can connect these students better and better uh, as we move along. So it was an idea that I was evolving. And when COVID hit is when the ideas really started approaching for me about how do I help the students get connected better together? How do I help them study together without, how, without, without with, by taking out the distance, by taking out all the logistics? That's where I came up with this idea that today is Neoboard. Yeah. So walk us through. So you actually started building your your business, your product, when you were working in education, walk us through some of the challenges that you might have faced trying to get this business off the ground in an environment that may not be too in tuned with entrepreneurship business and innovation that technology and SaaS could provide students, especially now. Yeah, I will tell you something. Um, I'll tell you something. I experienced a really hard time starting my business off the ground. I was in grad school for six years. 
getting my doctorate. The first two years was my master's and the last four years was my doctorate. And I really start, really where this really started kicking off was around 2017, basically about a year into grad school for me. And one of the things that uh, was really challenging was that at the time, because I went to UC Riverside, that was a school I went to. And at the time there wasn't really an entrepreneurship program. I mean, they, I mean, there was for like students that were in business, but if you were, I don't know, in engineer, or if you were, I don't know, an English major or a music major, there wasn't a really a way for you to, to take to do that unless you took the classes and uh, business classes. And that's not ideal for everyone, right? So that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually learn entrepreneurship. I didn't need to learn international business, for instance. So that, that was missing. And at the time, they had just launched their uh, their uh, Startups for Innovators program, what it was called, which, where they taught you how to talk to customers, how to talk to potential customers to see if your idea was a viable idea. So that was one of the things that advanced it forward. But even then, when I signed up for graduate school, one of the requirements was that you had to you had to stay involved in your research because that was the whole point. We're in grad school, you're going to, for research purposes. And so I have signed a document that says I could not get involved in internships. I could not get involved in anything outside of research. They were really sticklers about that in the program. And I almost got kicked out of the program at some point. I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. But what, but what ended up happening was I ended up having to take this class um, um, in the evenings um, and basically keep it a secret from the department. So I, I started out talking to students at UC Riverside, then I expanded to other schools nearby. I would actually drive over to some of the nearby schools like Cal Baptist or San Bernardino Valley College and all these other schools and started talking to some of the students, even talked to some of the faculty over there. So I got a really good understanding of the needs over there, but I had to do this all in secret. I had to, I would tell my professor, hey, I'm going to lunch. Um, and it would be, and they would wonder why was the lunch two hours kind of thing. So that was a challenge for me for, for doing that because I had to keep my idea secret. And why was that? Because if I got involved in anything else, I could have been fired from the program. About a couple of years when I was doing this, I had one person I had one person call me up and say, hey, Kevin, are you working on a company or something? And I was wondering how this person find out that I'm working on this. Yeah, it's Turns crazy. out they were checking my, they, they got, they I, when I left a voicemail, I said, thank you for calling, uh, thank you for calling uh, Neil Ward Inc. Uh, and or something like that. And so the voicemail was what, tipped them off because they called my other phone number, not the phone number that I had given them. So that's that's when I almost got in trouble. And so I had to explain to them, no, that was something I was working on a couple of years ago or something like that. And so they told me, well, I'm glad because I was going to have to report this to the upper administration. And that just, when I heard that, that just really angered me. And it was something that I realized the department here is very academic focused. And I noticed that too. When you talk to other students, some of the students are going to finance, some of the students are going to work at banks and their PIs, their, uh, the PIs are the people that you worked for, absolutely despised it. They were they uh, they were not happy when they heard that. They said, well, what the hell are you doing here? You're supposed to, you're going to, uh, you, why, you're supposed to go work at Boeing or Raytheon or, or heck, why don't you teach yeah, like, like us? Corporate. Yeah, that, exactly. That mentality. It was a very old timey mentality. And I remember I attended one of the SBIR road trip programs that, that was offered by the university. Again, keep it a secret. And one of the speakers was actually a professor in the physics department. And so I didn't, they didn't know about my idea, but I actually casually walked up to them and asked them, hey, um, I have a friend of mine that's in the physics department, not telling them that it was me that is trying to start a company, but they, but they feel like they have to keep it a secret because... Uh, the department, according to them, is very old-timey, old-fashioned, and you know they, they fear they can get kicked out of the program. And they told me, 
You're absolutely right, Kevin. That is a major problem with our department is that they're not open to entrepreneurship. They're not open to startups. They're not open to these ideas. And this would have and what I learned also is that other departments were not that way. Um, if you went into engineering, they were much more open about it. I've, I actually had a few friends of mine that formed startups over at UC Riverside because their the engineering department was very open to it, and they actually worked with the Office of Technology and Commercialization on campus. So that was a totally different experience, uh, just going to a different department. In physics, that was not the case. My, my professor spent his uh, would not shut up about him uh, about him going to Harvard or Stanford. He kept talking about that all the time, and so he said, "Hey, Kevin, you know, if you need it, I have connections over at Harvard and Stanford to go into the this research field." And, and I told him, and I, I didn't tell him this, but I almost felt like telling him, "That's not what I want to do." Have, did you ever ask me what I wanted to do? And because I'll tell you right now, I can't be honest with you about what I what I what I want to do. Um, so I had to lie and say I was going to go in academia because that was the only way I can get help. So I had to go to other resources on campus, the Career Center, I had to go to networking events. I did that all by myself outside of outside of uh, research. And it really felt, I really fell behind on my research, but it was what I was passionate about. It was what I was excited about. I didn't want to be publishing papers for the rest of my life. I mean, I know some students, some professors love to do that. And some, some students want to, and we need those kinds of people in this world. But if you want to do something else, I mean, you're, a doctor could be for many reasons. It's not just about academia. It's not just about industry. There are so many fields that you can take. I've seen students who go who are doc who have doctorates and they're and they're starting a band. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you're passionate about. And I'm and unfortunately I did not get the experience to have my to have my desires to have my endeavors be uh, be uh, you know be encouraged to succeed in my startup. And I had to keep it a secret for the whole time. To this day, I don't think my department knows what I was doing. Um, only, only the grad student, only near the end of when I was about to leave, I told some of the other grad students what I was working on. They were really excited for me because they thought, wow, this, I, I thought about doing the same thing, but I, did, but I didn't want to because I also thought I was getting kicked out of the program or it was going to distract me from my doctorate. They gave a variety of different reasons, but they wanted to do the same thing too. But the department was just silencing everyone yeah. for just really bothered me and that was a big part of my life in grad school yeah you know it's unfortunate man because i think um i think entrepreneurship does drive a lot of innovation for this country in this world and there's a lot of good things about entrepreneurship that I, maybe the media or there's just a general misunderstanding about in your perspective what is the opportunity cost from higher ed institutions not allowing it or really embracing entrepreneurship what do you think it's costing universities in the long run for their alumni for their programs because i think there's a tremendous cost by not embracing entrepreneurship at this point especially in the united states right the cost i'm going to tell you this right now is uh is unmeasurable of the damage that it really does to the institution now granted i'm going to set i'm going to preface here with something not every school is like this, right? If you go to Berkeley, if you go to UCLA, if you go into any of the major schools, they don't have that mentality. Even some of the Cal States, because I've interviewed a lot of the Cal States or or the or, or, or community colleges, they don't have that mentality too. Uh, at least not some of the departments I've been to. Granted, I've only been wandering around the schools of business. But from what I've seen, for departments that don't do that, it it's it's a huge detriment. For one thing, I'm a strong believer that we need more we need more education, so to speak, 
in entrepreneurship. And, I'll, and let me explain to you what I mean by that. We need more masters. We need more PhD uh, people going into these programs because it really, it really provides, uh, it really provides a sense of uh, being humbling. It provides a sense of be, uh, the ability to be a student and be able to listen because um, when I've had friends of mine who are in business and they are not teachable, they're not teachable people. And when you go and raise money as a startup or you go talk to investors, that's one of the things that they look at. They want to know if you're coachable. They want to know if you can, if you can learn. And so a lot of the students that I've seen go and uh, pitch, I've seen how they talk and they're not coachable. They're, they don't, they, or at least they don't come off, come off that way. That's a huge problem. And that is the value of a master's or a PhD. It's not what, it's not the research that we do in the field. It's not the, it's not that, you know, about particle physics. It's not about knowing how to solve the, the, this equation here. That is the Schrodinger equation. That's not what the, the, the beauty of having a degree is like a doctorate or a master's. The real value is that you have the ability to learn. You have the ability to go out you have the ability to go out and solve problems, serious problems that are applicable to the real world. And you need to have that coachability. So being being a master's student or even a doctorate student really helps with that because it helps you to be a student, helps you to learn, helps you to figure things out without getting stuck in your own, being subjective and getting stuck in your own ideas. Absolutely. With that said, because because the schools are not embracing this, we have a lot less doctorates and master students, I think, going into, into entrepreneurship, which is a serious detriment because what do schools care about? You have to ask yourself, what do schools care about? They care about they care about their publicity, right? That's why they're that's why schools love embracing social media. Um, schools love to talk about their alumni association, right? They love talking about all the alumni that have succeeded in these com in their companies, have succeeded in their fields, have published these major papers, works at CERN, whatever, right? All these things, and so when you put when you discourage students from becoming uh, entrepreneurs, you're basically you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. You're not letting your you're not letting the students do what they want to do, what they're what they what they want to achieve. They you don't let them chase after their endeavors, and so you basically shot yourself in the foot and have not let these students have an opportunity to blossom in their respective fields, especially in entrepreneurship, like for myself. And as a result, what's going to happen? These students maybe they don't make as much, may uh, or maybe they are, or maybe they're taking on a job that they don't like. And, uh, and that's not going to bode well for the alumni association because that's one less person who's an entrepreneur that they can publicize about. That's one, uh, that's one less, uh, that's one less happy face, so to speak. And I know for me, if, uh, like when I see that as a student, I'm not encouraged to, I don't feel encouraged or empowered to donate to my school when I have the money. I'm going to want to donate to this people or the schools that really made my, really made what, uh, my vision of what I wanted to be a reality. Those are the ones I'm going to be funding. And if you're discouraging me from doing that and not being able to chase after my dreams, I'm not going to want, I'm not going to be interested in, I mean, I want to help students out, but I'm not going to be interested in funding that particular department or that particular school. And so that's what I saw. My undergrad was highly encouraging of me starting a, a business, but when I got into grad school, that was not the case for me. So what, so what, is this, what is this costing really the school, right? It could discourage a student from even staying in school. It could, uh, if they become an alumna, if they become an alumnus, they may not be the, they may not be the entrepreneur that they wanted to be. And so that's one less article that the school can write about and publicize about the successes of what, of what their school did. And it discourages students from, from donating once they get to that point. 
Yeah. That would that's the that's really the cost for the schools. Yep. Not to and not to mention I'm gonna and this is that's those are not even the most important things. Not to mention that you've you've basically allowed a student to achieve their degree and not take advantage of the resources that they have on campus that would really make them succeed and blossom. And again, that's part of the PR of the school that they have already lost on. So it's a huge cost to the school, I think. Huge problem, man. Yeah. And then I think it comes full circle, right? Like if you, if you enable your students to be successful and they become successful, that it's just a product of your university, right? Like it needs, and if they've been successful because of the university, they're going to want to donate and help because it's been helpful, not the other way around. Like it's, it's very straightforward to me, but, um, Kevin. There's one last thing I wanted to comment before you go on to the next Please, question. Yeah. That is one thing I did learn when I was at UC, uh, at UC Riverside when I was getting my doctorate was um, t- uh, talent is evenly distributed among the population. You'll find talent in every school. I don't I don't care uh, I don't care if it's Harvard or Stanford or the community college down uh, down in the rural areas of Mississippi. You're gonna find talent everywhere. What's not evenly distributed is resources, and that is something that we as students rely on the school for because success is not a one person job you can uh, you, you need you need a you need a community you need a you you need a board you need uh, you need a, a group of people around you who are wanting for you to succeed so when the when the school doesn't do that like i said they're really shooting themselves in the foot they're really to help they're really doing a disservice to their students absolutely man 100% couldn't agree with you more um But hey, man, from one founder to another, I know that starting a business from scratch, building a startup is not easy. You're constantly learning along the way and you're getting better every day that you push forward in this journey. Um, For someone who's inspired by what you've built so far or, um, you know, is, is very close to building or growing their company right now, like what advice do you have for them as they listen to this episode here from one founder to another? I will tell you this, if uh, my advice, I'm going to start off with my advice I would give to the grad students out there who are wanting to start their businesses, whether you're going for your master's or going for your PhD, or even just an undergrad who wants to start their business and maybe their department isn't encouraging it. I would, I will tell you, um, keep talking about your idea. Keep talking about your vision. I'm a great believer in the law of attraction. And that is that if you talk about what you want to achieve, you will make it happen just because people around you want to help you succeed. So you may not be able to talk about it to your department. That is totally fine. But share your vision with other students. Share your vision with, with, the, with the people that you network. Share your vision with the academic resource center or academic career center on campus. Because you're going to find help there along the way. And that's what I did. And I will tell you, it turned out really well for me. I found a lot of support in those in those areas. So keep. So even if the department wants to silence you, even if the whole world is against you, you're still share your vision, still, still share your story, share your dreams, because that's what's really good. It's really going to help you blossom out there in the world, in, in a world that's otherwise maybe not encouraging of what you want to achieve or want to accomplish. So keep looking for those ideas. Uh, you know, scour the e- scour your email list for for events on campus that are related to business. Scour the ideas on campus. Uh, you know, go around, go to Convo Hour. Go go look at all the booths that are taking place. Maybe there's an entrepreneurship club on there. Go uh, go and talk to the to the to your counselors over at the at the career center because the alumni network there will always be someone there 
who has started a business and will help you out in any way possible. That's how that was what encouraged me. And my that's my advice to people who are in school, but maybe they can't share their idea or maybe they're too and if, and some of the students out there I know they're saying I'm too busy. Like I want to try and get an A in my class. I want to try and just get my degree. I would not wait too long. And I cuz I I did that too because I was concerned that the department was going to find out about what I did. And I would not wait. Go network because you never know who you're going to find. You never know who you're going to share your story to. And they're going to say, hey, I know someone who can help you out with this. Or, hey, I know someone you can talk to that you, that might be able to provide you more information. Because those connections that you make today are really going to pay off tomorrow. And um, and I know what some of the other grad students out there, some of the, some of the grad students out there are saying, I'm too shy to ask people for help. I, I So I'm too shy to reach out to people. If there's a time to be shy, now is not time. This is the time to you for, for you to take advantage of the resource out there on campus. This is a time for you to make friends because the friends that you make today are gonna are, uh, could be the ones that we start a company with tomorrow. And so the, the, you have to go out there and find those resources for yourself, especially when the department is not on your side. Go out and network. Go out and talk to people. And trust me, it gets easier. I was not that way. I was shy too. I didn't want to be talking to people, you know, in, uh, I didn't want to be talking to real estate people. I didn't want to be talking to, uh, you know, people in sales. I thought, I thought it was a, I thought it was a terrible industry, but I learned not only when I talked to them, I learned to respect what they do, but also I got an opportunity to share my story, share their story and really learn what entrepreneurship is about, which is about helping one another out uh, so that we can all succeed together. And so that is my that is my advice to the people who are in school right now trying to start businesses. Just just do it. I, I literally the, the quote from Nike is just do it. Go out and talk to people. You will find the help that you need. Yes, sir. That's awesome advice, man. You got me pumped up here. Um, for anyone listening that's made it this far to the podcast, where is the best place to reach you if they want to connect with you, learn more about NeoBoard? Um, and just tell us a little bit about like who you help specifically at NeoBoard, whether that's like higher ed institutions or higher ed students. Yes. So um, as as we as we went over briefly at the beginning of the podcast, uh, our company is really helping schools, uh, uh, schools and by extension their students create and manage study teams. That's essentially what we do. Um, they go by very, very many names, learn, learning groups, study groups, but we, we use the term study teams. And what we do is we help the schools set up those, those study groups or study teams for their classrooms and really help the students connect with one another, right? We ask them a series of questions to the students what are your, that help us really determine what your learning preferences are, who are the kind of people that you talk to. And at the very end of the first week of classes, we actually group you guys up into a compatible study group based on those responses. And if you're an institution, if you're an academic advisor, you can already see the value in that, right? You're really helping, you're really making your students happy. You're really pro uh, providing a really valuable experience for the students to, uh, to be able to connect with them especially when they're freshmen, when they're first, when they're just going to school for the first time. But we also help the schools really get some insight into how, uh, into the, into the learning patterns of their students. Because uh, when you, when you form a study group, you meet up and that, and that information is lost forever. So we really help the schools look at um, what's happening, the team dynamics, the learning dynamics, to see if the student is going to need additional resources. So we actually provide an early warning system for the schools to determine whether a student needs additional help, right? Is the student is a student struggling with the material even with their study group? We we uh, we send a notification out to the students saying, hey, 
Kyle from the Tutoring Center for Chemistry is available at 4 o'clock today. Or, uh, would you like to schedule it? Click of a button and, and you, all you have to do is show up. So we really make it easy for the schools to help their students out when they're struggling. Or if they're, or if they're having you know, a mental health crisis, we redirect them to their counselor uh, all through the platform. So we really help these students stay connected with one another. And if they need additional resources, uh, we provide that early warning system for the school so they can, they can uh, provide the solution at the click of a button. So that's really what our platform is all about. And so, um, and so what we help is primarily uh, schools of business, schools of law, and schools of medicine, which where we know that uh, study groups are a big part of the culture over there and really helping these students get connected, and especially in online schools where you may not ever meet these people, but, you actually, but we provide you guys the opportunity to get connected with one another through there. So that is what our platform does. And, um, and, right, and our company is called Neilboard. Um, it's, our website is neilboardapp.com. You can find us on there. Uh, we just updated our websites. And um, on LinkedIn, you can find me as the educator, the dash educator, and that will be my tag name. If anyone wants to reach out to me, if they, if you guys need advice, if you guys need help, I'm always like I said, I'm a professor. I love to teach. I love to educate people. So, anyone who needs help out there, starting their businesses, or just needs a little bit of advice, I would love to have a conversation with them. Just just notify, just connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what, what how I can help you, and I'll be happy to help you guys out. So that's what I do. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, that's super helpful. I think you're doing a lot of great things for students and for universities. And in today's world of education, we all know like hybrid learning is here to stay. Mm -hmm. And it is a problem to like yeah. communicate with your students and, and build that rapport. So I think you're bridging that nicely. And I'm excited to see where this goes. Thanks again for sharing your story and um, appreciate your time on today's episode. Thanks for listening to the EdTech Marketing Podcast with your host, Mateo Elvira. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help grow your EdTech audience. If you're keen to see these ideas can be applied in the real world, join us on the next week's episode. As always, you can head over to elvira.media to learn more about our digital marketing services for EdTech brands. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.